Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Okay, so we continue with our expository teaching on 3 John, and what we're able to establish um, very quickly on Sunday, please get the part one of the series, what we were able to establish was that the, the original intention of Apostle John for writing the letter was not to wish Gaius prosperity. That is part of it, but as it is when you write a letter, uh, it was part of the salutation. It is his desire, but that was not the main aim. Now, it is important that if we study scriptures, we keep the main aim the main aim, which means that if this is what God wants, or if this is the highest priority that God desires, that becomes our own what? Priority. And we're able to establish also that to John, even though he says to, go to third John now, third John, even though he says to Gaius that I wish that you prosper above all things, even as your, pro, your soul prospers, he also says that I rejoice greatly, give me verse 2, verse 3, I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. We're able to establish that there are two dimensions there. The first thing, the New King James, please. The first thing is that they, the, the, they have the truth in them. That's one. Then number two, that they are able to do what? To walk in the truth. And this is very important because we also have a concept in the body of Christ about our righteousness. Now, sometimes people get it confusing and they say, well, regardless of what I do, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's important. That, that's, 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 well, let's, let's leave that. We're not dealing with the subject of righteousness. But this is my concern. If whatever I do, you say you're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because Christ has paid for you, how come, how will other people be able to know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? So when I teach people the subject of righteousness, I teach two kinds of righteousness. I teach what I call the imputed righteousness. That is the righteousness you do not work for. That is the righteousness that Christ paid for. That is our righteousness. But imputed righteousness must become practical righteousness. Right? Because our practical righteousness is what men will see. Are you following what I'm saying? So I can't say, for instance, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm sleeping around. I'm the righteousness in Christ Jesus. I'm lying. I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And I'm doing all kinds of things. And there's no difference between myself and the person who is not the righteousness of Christ, uh, the righteousness in Christ Jesus. You understand that? Now, Paul say, um, John says here that the brethren testify that the truth is in you. Then he goes further to say, just as you walk in the truth. Now, if you observe this verse carefully, he says, I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified. Now, if the brethren came and testified, it means that the brethren saw it. Right. So, the brethren didn't come to say something wrong about, uh, about, about Gaius. 
Right. So that's very important. So we said that this, this book of Third John was talking about three men, which we're picking examples from their life, Gaius, Theotrephos, and Demetrius. And he praises Gaius for his hospitality. He rebukes Theotrephos for not receiving teaching priests, and then he, he, he commends also Demetrius. Now, we talked about the background. We talked about the purpose the four purposes of Third John to commend Gaius to one against the Otrephes, to commend Demetrius to inform his readers that he was going to visit soon. And we did establish that the key word in Third John is the word truth. It appears in verse 3, verse 4, verse 8, and verse 12. And then we did a whole study on verse 2. I wish above all things that you may prosper. We talked about the times that the word prospers and all that. So let's go to verse 5 now. So we, we start... In 3 and 4, the brethren testify that the truth is in you and that you walk in truth. Okay, and that what made John to greatly rejoice was the fact that uh, Gaius was walking where? In the truth. And the brethren could testify about that. Let's, so let's, let's, let's stop. Let's go to verse 5 and 8 now. That's where we're going to build tonight. So 3 John, 5 and 8. Beloved, you do faithfully, observe the word faithfully, Whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. Now, I want you to observe two words there, two categories of people there. What are the categories of people? Brethren and what? And strangers. Okay. You do faithfully whatever you do for the brethren and for strangers. Now, I want you to observe. This is a bit, it's not like it's technical, it's not complex, but sometimes... It goes against the way we think. I want you to observe the order. What comes first? Is it strangers or the brethren? What comes first? Brethren. Remember when Paul was writing also that if you have opportunity to do good, you should do good, especially to those where? In the household of faith. So all true scriptures, you will see the priority always given to the community of believers. Even above others. And the reason is very simple. The truth of the matter is that nothing joins people together as the shed blood of Christ. Praise God. I can go to several nations of the world today where I do missions and comfortably spend time in people's house. They'll take care of me as, as, as if I'm their brother. And the reason is because I'm a believer. Some of you some stuff we've done for you or how we've been there for you in your life, your natural family hasn't been there. But you know, sometimes when it's time to minister, we're always conscious of our natural family first before we think of the brethren. And the reason that this, this was also very strong was because when they also became believers, there was a lot of persecution for becoming believers. And so actually, the body of Christ was actually their family. And some of you would have experienced that if you, gave, if you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ maybe many years ago, where you were in the university, you accepted the Lord, and your father drove you out. You realize that the only company of believers here, the only company you have is believers. You see, but the challenge we also have today sometimes is because of compromise, we are in every club, we are in every society. You know, old boys that want to bond the country association, you are a member. Uh, 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 social drinkers club of Nigeria. You are, a, you are a patron. So the truth of the matter is that you, you feel at home. There is, there, you are in everywhere. You belong. There are certain associations, listen carefully, 
They are not morally wrong, but the believer cannot be part of them. Why? Because when you are in those gatherings, there is nothing for the edification of your spirit. Now, you realize that if you live that way, you would always tilt more to the community of believers. Praise God. Right. Okay. So, he says, for the brethren and for strangers, who have borne witness of your love before the church, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. If you send them forward in their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. Because they went forth for his namesake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. Now, John was commending Gaius for receiving and for taking care of traveling preachers. Now, the truth of the matter is, in those days, they, they, uh, they, had, to, they, they had itinerary traveling preachers. And some of them also uh, came to the churches to teach, and they were some of the people that Diotrephus was refusing because of personal interest and was saying that they should not take care of them. I want to read from the Amplified Version. I just want to read that verse from the Amplified Version. And, Beloved, you're acting faithfully in what you are providing for the brothers, and especially when they're strangers, and they have testified before the church of your love and friendship. You would do well to assist them and send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. Now, I want to emphasize that phrase. Whatever you're doing for these people is not... Uh, you are honoring them for their office. So whatever you do is in a manner worthy of God. All right? For these traveling missionaries, so if you read the Amplified Version, you see the word used there, traveling missionaries went out for the sake of the name of Christ, accepting nothing in the way of assistance from the Gentiles. So we ought to support such people, welcoming them as guests, and providing for them so that we may be fellow workers for the truth. That is what? The message of salvation. So you realize that, I'll go back to the New King James now. You realize that one of the things that John was emphasizing here was the fact that hospitality is a kingdom virtue. A child of God must be hospitable. A child of God must be hospitable. We must we must live our lives with hospitality in mind. You see, hospitality is a kingdom virtue. The, the problem we also have is because of the way our society has gone, somehow we shut our, our bowels of mercy. But, but John commends them for, in fact, the scripture says that a man cannot be a bishop if he's not hospitable. Praise God. I can't tell you, we've been in ministry for, for a very short time, 11 years as full-time missionaries. I can't tell you how many people have passed through our house. Why? It's a requirement. You have to be hospitable. Praise God. You have to be hospitable. That's why if you are not a, a woman who is hospitable, it will be very dangerous for a pastor to marry you. Yeah, it will be very dangerous. Because then people come to the house and you say, Oh, these people are coming again. <laughs> 
And then you now hear, not your friend can eat. Are you following this? And then the guy comes all tired from the journey. And you say, ah, madam, ah, good evening, sir. It's been a while I saw you. You are just scratching your head. Oh, welcome. But this is your boss. Takes time. Oh, this late. I hope you are not hungry. No, the guy, how can you hope? <laughs> what do man just tell you? Is that don't say you're hungry. Hospital, hospitability. We must be hospitable. We are not hospitable for their sake. We are hospitable to them in a manner worthy of God. Praise God. Learn, let me tell you this. One of the secrets of kingdom prosperity is taking care of people. As you are planning your life, as you plan your house, have a guest room. Entertain strangers. Praise God. I said, praise God. Let it be part of your family culture. That is how Abraham entertained angels and God is promised. Abraham just saw three men going through and say, hey, come, come by, have something to eat. They quickly prepared. Man, Sarah didn't say, you are calling people again. Did they call you? People are just going, you are saying they should come and eat. Don't you know I get tired? You know, but they just got, got a meal for them. It was part of kingdom virtue. Praise God. Hallelujah. Are we together? Okay, so he talked about brethren and strangers. So they provided for them. Let's go to Acts chapter 28 and show you something about Paul. Let me give you a scripture here. How this happened in the life of Paul also. Acts 28 verse 10. Acts 28 verse 10. Let's, can we read from verse... Uh, let's read from verse... This was when they got into the island of Malta. Okay, so let's read verse 8 for instance. And it happened that the father of Pablo lay sick of fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored, observe the word, observe that same word. They also did what? Honored us in many ways and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So you see, when they received the ministry of Paul, they also honored Paul. Praise God. Now, this is where the problem actually is. Some uh, ministers take this to the extreme and begin to demand it. Praise God. <laughs> you know, myself and my wife were watching a, a, a guy. We just, I just came into the house and a guy was on TV and was sharing a powerful faith testimony that really, really challenged us on trusting God. And one of the things he was just sharing very quickly was God told him, listen, don't manipulate the people for funds. And number two, don't ever tell any church that invites you that you have a financial requirement. Praise God. And then he went to preach, and then they gave him a check of $750. They're about in some, in some fractions. And then he was just thanking God. That's all they needed for the month. That was the only, uh, that was the only invitation he had for that month. That was all they needed. He was just thanking God for that. And he looked back and saw a missionary behind. And uh, the Lord said to him, give everything to the missionary. And he, he said, you know, the first thought that came to his mind is, Satan, I take authority over you. Like, I bind you with all the binding wires available. And then he said that he didn't know when he came out from his mind. He's like, God, if that's you, he's like, you're not thinking clearly. Like, this is the only invitation we have. This is exactly how much we need. And God says, obey me. Hand it over. So he gave the check. 
And then the family came and said, oh, do you want to eat pizza and everything? They were hungry. He said, why not? Amen. They went to have pizza. And the man leans over to him and says, you know, at the end of the day, the Lord had spoken to a man before the meeting to write that same amount of check and hand over to him. Way before the meeting. And so, you know, the man ministered to him. Now, what am I trying to say with, with all of this? As ministers of the gospel, we cannot demand honor. It must come from the people who receive ministry. Because I'm going to go somewhere now. As you read that verse, it says the reason we are honoring these people this way is because they went forth preaching the gospel, taking nothing from the Gentiles. What does that mean? You cannot go and minister to people and then you want to also receive from them. In, in that sense, for instance, let's imagine you're going to a village to minister right now. They've never heard the gospel. You finish preaching and then you now say you want to receive a, a sacrificial offering. You, you've just messed up the gospel. Praise God. So it's not everywhere that a minister goes that he has to receive an offering. And so because he doesn't have to do that, the people who receive his ministry, like Gaius, those were some of the people that were now opening their homes and blessing these people. And we we'll see that also in the life of Paul. So we can see an example in Acts 28 verse 10 of how Paul was ministered, but I want you to pick out the word honor. And when you do this, what you actually do is that you're honoring God. Let's go back to 3 John. So three things we found in 3 John there. It says, providing for teachers is worthy of God. 3 John verse 5 now. When you provide for, for teachers, it is worthy of God. You're doing something that is worthy of God. Now, for those also who are very big on the concept of, you know, the prosperity that God wants to bring, prosperity that God brings into your life is also for a purpose. When God increases you, it's for a purpose. It's not just for you to expand and expand and expand. You see, we have a culture of always acquiring. Let me tell you something. There's none of us that will ever be satisfied with whatever we acquire on this earth. No one. If people will be satisfied, our governors will not be stealing from us. Say amen. Yeah. Praise God. Even every one of us seated here tonight, let's be honest with ourselves. Are we content? Are we happy with life? We want more. You know, some of us have so much clothes that what makes us late for service is what we're going to wear. Praise God. And the one that has five clothes feels that I can't come to church because I don't have enough. You don't know that God has solved a major problem for you. The problem of confusion. Five clothes worn every Sunday takes you through the month. Praise God. You imagine how you have something and you want more and you want more and you want more. At a point in your life, you have to sit yourself down and tell yourself that, listen, if I don't get a new thing for the rest of my life, I would be happy. I would be grateful to God. Praise God. How many of you have bought something new, brand new, excited about it? Two, three days later, you don't know where the phone is. And the first one night you bought it, you actually slept with it. Kept the phone by your side. Used pillow to build an edge around it. Even the charger, when you want to plug it, you plug it with honor and respect. Two days later, you're just you're looking for the charger everywhere. It's, it's like that with the human life. Because immediately you acquire something, the value drops in your life. That's it. Praise God. Okay. Number two, 
Providing for teachers is necessary to advance the gospel. So let's look at verse 6. Third John 6. Who have borne witness of your love before the church, if you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you will do well. So providing for teachers is worthy of God. And you do well if you do it what? Faithfully. Now, the word faithfully means that this was not something John was doing once a year. He wasn't just doing this on Father's Day or on the teacher's birthday. It was something he was doing what? Consistently and what? And faithfully. Number seven, because they went forth for his name's sake, taking nothing from the Gentiles. So, it gives us the quality of the teachers that they were supporting. They were people who were not going for their own names. This was not about supporting traveling teachers who were building their own empires. This was supporting people who were going for what? For the sake of what? Of the name of the Lord. Like on Sunday, this was why we received that offering for that brother. By the way, powerful testimony. If I remember on Sunday, I'm going to read it. Uh, you remember on Sunday, I said, we're good. well, I didn't teach this. But I said, we're going to practice this. How many of you remember that? Come on, how many of you remember that? And then we received an offering for a guy who walks. And you know what? He just sent a testimony that that money was, came at the right time because... Someone they, they were working with was one of their partners was sick and they needed maybe like 25 or 30,000 to heal. I said to heal. To do the medicals and everything and everything and everything. And then we were able to just send an offering on time that met that need. How many of you know that's amazing? It shows to him. Now, imagine somebody going to reach out prisoners. Can he go and reach out to them and say, well, we are finished now. It's time to sow your way into your destiny. Can he do that? No. So what do we do? As a church that is blessed, we look for such missionaries and we do what? We honor them in a way pleasing to God because what they are doing is for the name of the Lord and they cannot receive from the people they are ministering to. Do you understand that? Come on. Do you understand that? So before you give to a ministry, you've got to find out is he doing it for the name of the Lord? Or for himself. So we're not supporting empire builders. We're supporting people who advance what? The kingdom of God. Praise God. All right. Then it says, taking nothing from the Gentiles. So the Gentiles were actually those who were not born again. And of course, you could not receive an offering from them. <laughs> Verse 8. We therefore ought to receive. I want you to observe the word receive. We're going to, we're going to do a bit of exegesis on that word receive. We therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers for the truth. I want you to observe that. In providing for teachers, you are not only a supporter, you are now a fellow worker for the truth. What that means is this. You are actually, you have become a co-laborer for advancing the truth. That is verse 8. So we pick three things from that verse. Providing for teachers is worthy of God. Providing for teachers is necessary to advance the gospel. Providing for teachers makes you a partner with that teacher. I like something that Kenneth Copeland used to say jokingly during the partners conference. He would first of all say, do you like my suit? I mean, and then everybody, you know, of course, would say, yes. You can't say you don't, you don't like your suit. You say, oh, yes. Then he would say, well, you should like it because you bought it. What, was, what is he trying to say? Whatever you give to me is what enables me to do whatever I'm doing. Now, you are not just giving so that God will bless you. Listen to this carefully. It's, it's important that we give, but we're not just giving so God will bless us. When we are giving to traveling teachers and missionaries who are doing God's work, we are actually now becoming fellow laborers. 
of the truth. So this is not just about, I want to give to you so God will bless me. No, it's more like, listen, I know what, it's just for instance, I give you the example of that uh, ministry that the Lord, you know, by his grace helped us to bless. Now, we can actually say we are fellow workers with the man in reaching prisoners. That as a local church, we are what? We are fellow workers with that man. And if God is going to reward that man for, every, for whatever he's doing for those people, how many of you know we are going to be part of that reward? Exactly. That's what ministry partnership is. So it's not about God wanting to bless me. It's about saying, listen, listen. God has blessed me. I've got a bit of resource. I like what this guy is doing, and I want to partner with him. So this was the reason that John was writing, because if we now go on Sunday, we're going to deal with that. When you now go to the next verse, John begins to rebuke Diotrephes because Diotrephes was stopping people from receiving traveling teachers. So that's why this letter was written. This letter was written to commend this lifestyle and to condemn a lifestyle that's not open to hospitality and reception of traveling teachers. Let's look at that word receive. What does that word receive mean? And you know, like I say, if you want to interpret Bible, you have to look for that word in the scriptures. Let's look at places where it was used. What does it mean to receive? When it says, we therefore ought to receive. When you say the word, we ought to receive, it makes it almost like a commandment that this is something we should do. Am I right? Am I right? He didn't didn't put it as a probability. He didn't put it as as if you like. He didn't put it like, you know, you may do it. No. He said, this is something that we should what? We should do. So we ought to support such people. Welcoming them as guests and providing for them. Let me give you an example. Well, it's it's what the Bible is. So don't, don't, uh, don't look at it very personal. But let me give you an example. Uh, uh, something as simple as, you know, because sometimes when you talk about these things, it's almost looking like, oh, well, everything is about money. You know, something like, for instance, I'll tell you something. Maybe you have a very good apartment, you have a good house, you've got a guest house. Something like even asking, let's say, for instance, a missionary or a pastor, and you say, just come spend the weekend. Just come spend the weekend. And don't worry about, you know, uh, what you're going to eat and all. Just come relax and spend the weekend. What, what's that going to do? That's partnering with the truth. Praise God. That's helping people to do what? To get into the truth. Because as the minister is relaxed and as he's refreshed, what's going to happen? He will be able to minister what? More to others. Praise God. All right. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 40. Matthew 10, 40. So we're looking at what? We're looking at receive. And we're looking at where those words were used, how it was used. Matthew 10, verse 40 to 42. He who receives you, receives me. Wow. Are you serious, Jesus? (laughs) Praise God. How many of you know that the Lord, the Lord always, intri- you, know, with, you, you know, something we, don't, we really need to understand is that the body of Christ is actually the body of Christ. You know, in our mind, it is the body of Christ. But in reality, it doesn't look like the body of Christ. But let me tell you this. You know what Jesus, what the Lord said to Paul? He says, why are you persecuting me? And Paul says, who art thou, Lord? 
Now, was there any time that Paul persecuted Jesus? Literally? Come on. We're Bible students. Was there any time Paul persecuted Jesus? Who was Paul persecuting? The church. And what did Jesus tell him? You're persecuting me. You know, some of you who really like writing about the church on Facebook, those commentators, you are actually commenting about the Lord. We must learn to treat the church of God with honor and dignity. Are we saying that every local assembly is doing right? Are we saying that things are not wrong? Things might go wrong. But the truth of the matter is that, do you really have that responsibility? Do you make that your primary, your primary goal in life? To always do exegesis on what is wrong with the church? If we say we are Christians, as we say we are, and these, all these men of God, all these churches, the true church of the living God. And in your mind, there's a self-righteousness. But Jesus says, if you receive this person, you receive me. So that means that our attitude to others is actually our attitude to God. You know what the Bible says, John says it. It says, you cannot say you love God who you do not see when you can't love your brother. And this is key. It means that the context of our definition of relationship with God has to do with our relationship with one another. Praise God. And this is very important because then people take this and go to the extreme. Nobody in this context was put on the receiving side. So you don't be the one who represents Jesus to all of us and say, you guys treat me well. The way you treat me well is the way you are treating God. No, we are all commanded to treat everybody well. So you don't put yourself as a receiver because that's where the problem is. When some people just put themselves as the receiver and expect everybody to treat them well because they are now Jesus. No. You also, the fact that you are a child of God, should be looking for how to do what? To treat others well. And how many of you know if we are all looking for how to treat others well, at the end of the day, we just have a community that is looking for how to be of a blessing to one another. Nobody is looking to take. Everyone is looking to do what? To give and to honor. He who receives you receives me. This is very strong. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Okay. Verse, verse 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, as pastors, we always like to end in this verse. This is a beautiful verse. And some people decided that because of this, they were going to change their name to prophets. But the first man that was called prophets in the scripture was Abraham. Praise God. And you realize something. When, what's this king now? What's this king that took Abraham's wife? What's the name? Abimelech, thank you. When, When he took Abraham's wife wrongly, what happened to him? His... Everything in his house shut down because he had received Abraham with dishonor. How many of you realize that Abraham did not pray some fire prayers? It was just a natural consequence of the blessing in the life of Abraham because God had told Abraham, whoever bless you, I'm going to bless. Whoever curses you, I'm going to curse. Some things are automatically set in your life. Stop killing people. 
Don't be, you, you understand? He didn't say, oh, I mean, they take your wife today. You're going to take the picture everywhere. Pastor, the king has taken my wife. Let's agree. Let's agree. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, no, no. I was just on his own. And God just went. And God spoke to Abimelech, who was not a believer. He said, return, return the wife, because I've shot, and the guy is a prophet, and then give him some offering. So it was part of that offering that Abraham used as startup capital for his business. It's part of the offering the king gave. You know, the king was not going to give him. The king was scared. Imagine God appearing to you in the night that you are taking somebody's wife. <laughs> and then God now says, meet the man to pray for you and give him something. You give him everything. Because the Bible says even the animals in his house were shot. That was the startup capital Abraham now used to just move his life forward. Because for the believer, nothing is a disadvantage. Everything works together for your good. But then he wasn't, going, he wasn't doing some fire prayers. Don't, sometimes don't take the place of God. God is smarter. That your boss you think is very wicked. God can jack him up and speak to him. The guy will hear more clearly than you who gave your life to Christ in 1977. Just be patient. Don't try to. Don't feel like you know how the problem should be solved. Sometimes, in fact, in studying scripture, something amazes me. Some of the most hidden kings had very more accurate hearing from God than even some believers. Joseph in Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar. God appeared to those guys in all manner of ways. Well, that's just for those who like to take the title of a prophet. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. <laughs> I remember a preacher I was preaching once and he made me laugh. He says, if you receive Jesus Christ as a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. He says, if you receive him as a carpenter, you will get only chairs and tables. <laughs> I remember that. That was a beautiful remember from God. How do you receive your minister? How do you receive missionaries? How do you receive a pastor? Do you see a pastor and say, well, you should have been walking somewhere by now. Lazy people. They will say, God, I've called them when they are lazy. You're not receiving them in the name of a prophet. Now, is not only for pastors. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive what? A righteous man's reward. So you see the fact that the person sitting next to you now, there's how to receive him. Because we can all take this message and begin to focus on the man. Then everybody's trying to get the prophet's reward. No, there is the prophet's reward. There's a righteous man's reward. No reward is higher than the other. What just makes the reward different is the office they occupy. Because when Abraham received those angels from God, he got a reward. But they were not prophets in that quote. Are you following what I'm saying? When Gaius was commended, he received traveling ministers. The way you treat people will determine the reward that will come to you. Sometimes, let me explain this to you. Sometimes what we, what we also look at prophet's reward, you see, every believer has a grace in their life. Every child of God. As you're sitting there, there is a grace of God on your life. And if I treat you well, I become a partaker of that grace. Praise God. 42, and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, as surely I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. Can we see that in this scripture here, God is just telling us that whoever will deal with has a form of reward. Are we together, church? Talk to me. If we deal with a prophet, we get a prophet's reward. If we deal with a, a disciple, a, a righteous one, we get a righteous one's reward. Even if we deal with the little ones, 
we get what? We will in no wise lose our reward. Now, the, the, the concept here, listen very carefully now. The concept God was trying to teach us here is not the categorization. The context God was trying to teach us here is the principle of honor. That whatever level you honor someone, there is a reward. Are you following what I'm saying? So you can't say, well, we just have to honor only the prophets. No, there might be a believer in your midst and you just choose to honor them. Choose to bless them. Choose to receive them. And the Bible says you will no wise lose your reward. Now this is where you need to be careful. You don't now go out and say, I want reward, I want reward, I want reward, I want reward. That guy, it's like the reward in his life will not be strong. <laughs> Who has reward? <laughs> no, no, no. If the motivation becomes just for the reward, you corrupt the intention. What God wants you to do is to have a culture of honor. Because the people you will honor and you will get the most reward, sometimes you will not even know. Praise God. And sometimes when God wants to set us up for a blessing, he keeps putting people in our hearts. How many of you have had that impression? Do this for this person. You, you overlook it and that thing keeps coming and keeps coming. It, it can be a very simple as give this person a shoe. Give him a tie. You know, one of the things I'm hoping that the Lord will really help us as a, as a community of church, believers to do is, I'm really trusting God that we will grow and mature to that point that, listen, sometimes even when brethren have needs, right, the Lord will speak to you about them. Okay? Like, hey, this brother is coming to church. He's got this need. This is exactly how much he's going to meet that need. When you get to church on Sunday or Wednesday, give it to him. Or oh, this brother needs to get this thing done. The guy has good, good, good shirts. He doesn't have a red tie. And he wants a red tie. And give it to him. No, I'm, I'm telling you. You know, what, that, what, is, what, what is that going to do for us? One of the things that God is going to, what, one of the things that that's going to do for us is that it's going to make people stand in awe of God. One of the things you must understand about life is that if you go about telling people your needs and all that, you also deny God or you deny yourself the opportunity of experiencing the fact that God cares for your need. I can give you testimonies upon testimonies where we just think of something in our house and like, oh, we'd like to get this thing. Maybe two, three weeks down the line, somebody just brings it exactly what we need. I'm like, wow, it's amazing. What does that do for us? It strengthens our faith. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, let's look at another place where the word receive was used quickly. Romans 12, 13. Wow. Okay, Romans 12, 13. We have to go fast now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? Romans chapter 12 and verse 13. Romans 12, 13 says, Distributing to the needs of the saints... Giving to hospitality. Giving to hospitality. Cultivate a lifestyle of hospitality. Learn to be hospitable. Make your house hospitable. Listen to me. And I want to beg you, please. When you are getting married, this is not just for women now. Both men and women. When you are getting married, speak about hospitality. Let your house be a house that people want to come to. I mean, they shouldn't be coming every day. Don't turn your house to, to a hostel. And then also when people are coming... You need to also check with your wife. Don't now just invite strangers all the time and say, you need to be hospitable. You heard what pastor said. Then you bring your old boys association, your old schoolmates, your golf clubbers, and you say, keep cooking. Look at the word, hospitality. 
No, 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 no. That, that, that's become abusive. You need to check with your wife because you're not the one doing the cooking, for instance. But let your house be comfortable for people. Are you following what I'm saying? Open up your home for hospitality. It's very important. The scripture says we should be doing, we should do what? Be giving to, do, to hospitality. Hebrews 13, 2. Hebrews 13, 2. The church of old needed to thrive on this. With persecution everywhere, man, they needed to thrive on this. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some have unwittingly, unknowingly entertained angels. Don't forget to entertain strangers. For in so doing, some have done what? Entertained angels. Praise God. I said, praise God. It says, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget to, ent- to entertain strangers. Be kind. Don't forget it. Hallelujah. It says, by so doing, some have entertained angels. First Peter chapter 4 verse 9. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 9. I want to read, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Can you see again, we've come back to the basics. This issue of hospitality is to who? Just pastors? Come on now, church, talk to me. Just pastors? Just prophets? Just traveling missionaries? Hospitality is to who? To one what? Another, and how do we do it? Without what? Meaning that we're not serving the food with anger in our eyes, right? We're not like serving the food and then when you lock the door, your husband is in trouble. You understand that? (laughs) Or you just want to help a brother and call the brother. They say we should be hospitable. Take. (laughs) No, no, we should do it without grumbling. Because we want to do it. Be hospitable. It's a command. It's not a, it's a, we don't have an option. You, don't, you can't say, well, I don't have hospitality in me. It's not my nature. In my family, we are not hospitable. Change your family. You, can't, you, you have to be hospitable. Because one of the things that God impacts in your life as a believer when you get born again is love. Praise God. You know, but the challenge we also have, and I, I want to create this balance because this message goes all over the world. The challenge we also have is that some people take advantage of this and make themselves perpetual receivers. You also ought to be hospitable. What that means is, listen, you don't have money, you don't have anything, but you're cultivating uh, vegetables in your garden. The Lord can also speak to you that somebody will need vegetables. Are you following what I'm saying? So don't put yourself as the, the, the one who receives hospitality. Say, you know, the, I, I like our pastor because he's always telling the truth. That people should be hospitable. And then you put yourself as the receiver. No. This was talking to the poor, the rich, the homeless. He was speaking to everybody who is a believer that we all have to be what? Hospitable. Sometimes your hospi- being hospitable starts from your neighbor. And you know, even without, sometimes, I mean, even our parents did this. How many of you had grandparents, especially our grandparents, not our parents? So our parents lived in fenced houses. But how many of you know, if you have always stayed in the village, your grandparents will always cook food and have one or two extra plates for the, for the, for the neighbor's child? Sometimes we say, go and call them to eat. And we always fed bad. Because for us, asking them to eat is reduction of your portion. 
And you know the way our grandparents deal, dealt with that. If you have those kind of grandparents, everybody was served equally. Yeah? It wasn't served like this was my child. You know, for some of us, when we serve the food, even without knowing, you just, you just know who your child is. Your child has egg, two, has all the meat well positioned, and the other one is just, <laughs> this is hospitality we don't give now. From the food, we will just know then that anybody sitting here must be, no, 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 no. And then the funny thing is that those children ate and then we had to wash their plates. That was where the anger came from. The anger was not the fact that they were reducing our portion. The anger was also the fact that we were having to also clean up after them. And you know some of those children are the children that when they were playing football and you say they should choose you to play, they said, no, you can't play. Because they choose now, select. Whatever, fill in the blank spaces. They say you can't play. And now they are eating your food. And you understand that? So in those times when our grandmother served us, they were eating, we were pinching behind. Eating, we were pinching behind. But you know something? Those experiences unconsciously shaped us for hospitality. If you grew up in a stingy house, you will need the help of God. You will need God's help. Because subconsciously you have been programmed that there is not enough to go around. And it wasn't because our grandparents had it was because they received the gospel and they lived it. You know, sometimes when you don't have too much education to do exegesis, it's easy to follow God. God said, be hospitable. You just be hospitable and leave the consequences. You don't try to look for the Greek word. Does hospitality actually mean to your neighbor there? Who is your neighbor? If you go by the Greek, your neighbor actually means the one who, you don't, you just get the thing complex. Somebody asked me a question one time, and he says, what do you believe about, what do you know about this? Can you explain? I say, I can't explain it, but I believe it. That's the truth. I can't explain everything in the scriptures. There are certain things I can't explain, but if God says do it, I'll do it, and I'll leave the consequences to him. Why? Because I'm a believer. I trust God's word to me. Praise God. All right. So, in taking nothing from the Gentiles, we can read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 to 14. Uh, Paul talked about going to preach and then taking nothing. Sometimes he had to labor with his own hands. So that he would not be a stumbling block. Our time is really fast spent. So I want you to write that down. I want to read two scriptures and we'll close. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 12 to 14, Paul explained why he didn't take certain things when he went to preach. Because sometimes when you go out and preach and you're trying to collect from the same people you are preaching, you put a stumbling block where? In the face of the gospel. Now I just want to go to two scriptures that talks about we being fellow workers. Go to Matthew chapter 28, verse 13. This scripture touched my life many years ago when I read it about why we should support the gospel. In Matthew chapter 28 verse 13, I'll just talk about it. In Matthew 28 verse 13, when the, the resurrection of Jesus happened, the, the Pharisees called, um, go to verse 12 for me quickly. Verse 12. What the, 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 the Pharisees did, Look at what it is. It says, when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. Verse 13. They gave a large saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. So what happened? For them to fund a lie, they gave large sums of money so that people can fund the lie. And this scripture really touches my heart concerning ministering and partnering with ministers of the gospel. If they could do this just to lie about the resurrection of Jesus, we will, need, we will also need a lot of money to speak about the resurrection of Jesus. Amen. So you see, one of the things is that people who are evil don't have a problem putting money down to sponsor evil, to get evil out there. 
we also need to be aggressive as we get into, as we, as, as, uh, concerning partnership of the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, last scripture. But go home and meditate on this. Philippians chapter 1. And look at the amount of money they pay. It's a large money. It wasn't just small money. It was large. Heavy money. Praise God. Okay. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Quickly, I'll just read that now. I want to read it from the Amplified. I'll just read to verse 7 and then we close. I thank my God in every remembrance of you. All this offering, every prayer of mine with joy and with specific request for all of you. Thanking God for your participation and partnership. The Greek word uses the word fellowship. But that word fellowship in the Greek, the New King James uses the word fellowship. The fellowship in the Greek means participation and partnership. Both your comforting fellowship and gracious contributions. So participation and partnership is not just say, it is where with you, sir. More grace to your elbow. The Lord is your strength. The Lord is your muzzle. You will go find Jesus' name. After the prayers that are comforting fellowship, there should also be gracious contributions. Praise God. How many of you know when we go to the nations to preach, we don't go to the airline and say, well, the Lord has sent me here that, you know, he has need of your airplane. No, you still have to buy the ticket, the same price that everybody else has to buy the ticket. So after saying it is well with you, God bless you, you will go find Jesus' name, the word will hear your voice, you know your voice. After all the prayers, you will now ask how much do they pay for the television slot so that the prayers can be answered. So he says, your comforting fellowship and gracious contributions. Sometimes also, I just want to emphasize this, please, just bear with me. Sometimes also, partnership is comforting fellowship. Sometimes it's just good to encourage missionaries, strengthen them, just let them know, listen, we're with you. One of my greatest desires in this life, and I'm trusting God to cause it to pass, is I want to be able to have a place, just maybe a house or something, where pastors can just come and just stay with all the facilities, maybe a compound like this, everything there, where pastors can just come without paying and just spend time with their family for a weekend and just, and just relax and just be refreshed. Especially pastors who have gone through some issues, maybe a moral fault or something has gone wrong in their ministry and they're driven out of the church. Because I'll tell you something, one of the most difficult things as a pastor is that you can serve people with all your life and maybe you make one mistake, make one mistake whether knowingly or unknowingly, and mean. And when the church will turn against you, you will be so amazed like, are these the people I spent my life for? And one of the most difficult things we find out is that pastors who go through that experience most times never recover. Let's say, for instance, I mean, not endorsed in, in any way, but let's say, for instance, a minister is teaching and something happens to his marriage and his marriage collapse. Man, 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 man. Or his children, something happens or something. One of my heart desires is to be able to have a place where people can just come and just be refreshed. Because sometimes also it's not just about the money. It is what? It is the comfort of fellowship. Just knowing that somebody's got your back. Just knowing that, that you have a true friend. All right, so Paul says that. Thank you, my God, for your participation and, and partnership, both your comforting fellowship and gracious contribution in advancing the good news regarding salvation from the first day you heard it until now. So from the first day they heard the gospel, what happened? They partnered with the gospel. I'm very convinced and all that, and he talks about how they were partakers of grace with him. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you because you have me in your heart as I have you in my heart since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the good news regarding salvation, all of you share in this matchless grace with me. Paul was a man who, after all he had done, he said, no one is with me. Bring your mark, for it's profitable for me. And I'll say this to you. 
I want to challenge you today. If you know a pastor, outside of me being your pastor, you should start with me. Charity should begin at home. Outside of me being your pastor, if you know any pastor, just be a true friend to ministers of the gospel. Be a true friend. Be a true friend. The work of ministry can be lonely. Can be very lonely. Praise God. Can be lonely. I know the Holy Spirit is our comforter. <laughs> but then you can't you can provide comfort. Because i tell you something. Even Jesus Christ, when he was being crucified, no one was there except John and his mother. Where were all the disciples? They took off. Peter, Bartholomew, gone. They all took off on the cross. And I'm going to talk about that when I teach a series on honoring your father and your mother. And one of the striking statements, that one of the striking things Jesus did on the cross that have ever touched my life was the fact that before Jesus died, he had to place his mother in the care of John. He said, son, had to do that for his mother. Imagine there was no disciple. Imagine John was not there. We look at the cross and say, Mama, it's finished though. Holy Spirit will take care of you. Even though he was Jesus, he had to look for a man and say, please look after my, my mother. Sometimes, a partnership with ministers of the gospel is not money. It's availability. Let them be there. Let somebody trust you. Be, become hospitable. I want us to go back tonight and review our hospitability policy. Are we hospitable? Sometimes you don't even need the people to come to your house. You can just pay for someone and say, I've paid for this. I just want you to go and rest. Just take some time off. Praise God. Sometimes just ask after the children's school fees. You're a traveling missionary. How are your children supported? Praise the name of the Lord. But the emphasis again must be truth. It must be people who preach the truth and who go out for the name of the Lord. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for tonight. We receive your word. Receive adjustment and receive correction. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Is Gideon taking the offering tonight? Man, you need to talk loud and clear. We need a lot of money. Eh? Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.